You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is November 5th, 2023, and this is episode 250 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll hear an interview recorded during my recent road trip with Rachel Balderson, the site coordinator at the Old Cape Henry Lighthouse in Virginia. We're also going to have a special segment about Lighthouse Keeper Wars. So, wow, Michelle, I can't believe we've made it to episode 250, and you've uh, co-hosted close to half of those episodes. That's pretty exciting. That's that's a big event for us, 250. That's a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I feel like we should be having a party, but yes. uh, we sort of had one on, on Friday evening for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor we Lighthouse did. as a Halloween party of sorts, so yes. I guess that'll count for, for this yes. too. But uh, So there have actually been a few episodes we called special editions that didn't have numbers along the way. So there have really been about 270 episodes altogether. I was looking at the stats the other day, and I, I see we now have more than 171,000 show listens. I want to thank everyone for listening, and thanks to all of you who have posted reviews or sent messages of support really appreciate it. If anyone has ideas for the podcast, I encourage you to email me at jeremy at uslhs.org. Michelle, please help me tell everyone about today's interview. Sure, Jeremy. There are two lighthouses at Cape Henry in Virginia, marking the south side of the entrance to the Chesapeake Bay. The older of the two lighthouses was built in 1792, and it was the first federally funded public works project of the newly formed United States government. It was authorized by President George Washington and overseen by Alexander Hamilton, Secretary of the Treasury. The sandstone tower stands 92 feet tall. The 1792 lighthouse eventually developed some cracks, apparently the result of a heavier cast iron staircase that replaced the original wooden stairs in 1867. A new, taller lighthouse was built in 1881 to replace the original one, which remained standing. The new Cape Henry lighthouse, built of cast iron, is 163 feet tall and stands about 350 feet from the old structure. The new Cape Henry lighthouse was automated in 1984 making it the last lighthouse in Virginia to be automated. It's still owned and operated by the Coast Guard. Since 1930, the old Cape Henry Lighthouse has been owned and operated by Preservation Virginia. It was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1964, and in 2002, the American Society of Civil Engineers designated the lighthouse a National Historic Civil Engineering Landmark. Today, Cape Henry Lighthouse is surrounded by the Joint Expeditionary Base Fort Story, an active military base. Preservation Virginia offers tours of the old lighthouse on a daily basis. Rachel Balderson is the site coordinator for Old Cape Henry Lighthouse. I spoke with her a couple of weeks ago, so let's listen to our conversation now. I'm here today uh, on Fort Story in Virginia, very close to uh, the old Cape Henry Lighthouse. Very pleased to be here for the first time ever. We are in an old railroad uh, station building here. And I'm with Rachel Balderson, who is the site manager for Cape Henry Lighthouse. Thanks so much for for being with me. But actually, I should thank you for letting me be with you today. Thanks for hosting me here today. Thank you for, for thinking of us for your podcast. Oh, absolutely. 
if I could just start with a, a little bit about you before we get into the lighthouse uh, and uh, other things to do with the site here. Uh, I'm curious what brought you to this particular position to be the site manager here? So I am from Northern Virginia, but I moved down here to the Norfolk area to go to school at Old Dominion University. I have a degree in Parks, Recreation, and Tourism Studies. And so my senior year, we had to do an internship. And I did not choose the Cape Henry Lighthouse for my internship, but it was one of the options. So that's what put it in my mind. So after I graduated, I was able to reach out and they were hiring as a, for a guide position. So I took that and I worked part time for a while. But about a year and a half ago, the opening for the site manager position came up and I applied and I got it. And I've been here ever since and I loved it. Fantastic. Did you mention to me you've also worked as a chef? Is that right? I did. I worked as a chef in downtown Norfolk, which is very exciting. I was actually the first female chef at the restaurant that I was working at in the 20 years that it was open. So uh-huh. it was a very interesting experience. That's fantastic. Do you th- think you might get back into that? Well, maybe you shouldn't say at this point. <laughs> I I like the pace of the lighthouse a lot yeah. better than the pace of a kitchen. <laughs> okay, I can understand that. Definitely. So let me ask you to clarify for people listening, uh, who actually owns and maintains the old Cape Henry Lighthouse? So the lighthouse is owned and operated by Preservation Virginia, which is the oldest historical society in the state of Virginia. Um, It was deeded to us in 1930 by Congress on the grounds that we keep it open to the public. Um, So we have been operating it and maintaining it and doing preservation projects ever since. And this probably, you could probably give a long answer to this, but basically what else does Preservation Virginia do? So we do a lot. We own, we fully own five sites across the state. Uh, we have the, of course, the lighthouse. We have the John Marshall House in Richmond, Patrick Henry Scotchtown in Hanover. And then we also have the John Smith Plantation Fort in Surrey, as well as Bacon's Castle in Surrey. And then we co-own historic Jamestown. Um, so we do preservation. We do, uh, tours and field trips and things like that at all of our sites. Um, And then we also have a preservation team who helps out in the community. So if you have a historic property or historic area and you need some help maintaining it, you can reach out to us at Preservation Mm -hmm. Virginia. We can come out, give you a consultation, maybe do a little restoration for you, smaller projects if needed. So we do lots of preservation around the state. Okay. Uh, There are a few older standing lighthouses in the country. In fact, I was talking to the shuttle driver about this. We're going over which lighthouses are older. And it has been said, I've seen it like on the internet and stuff, that the the old lighthouse here at Cape Henry uh, is sometimes called the first lighthouse in the United States. Uh, which is kind of true. Can you explain how that uh, how that's possible? Yes, it is a bit of a technicality. So we are the first lighthouse in the United States. So any of the older lighthouses were built by their colonies before the Revolutionary War. Um, and so this was the first federally funded public works project of the new country. Mm-hmm. So the ninth act of the first Congress, the Lighthouse Act, was what uh, deeded those funds to build the lighthouse. Yeah. So this is the first completed project as our own country. Got it. Okay. Uh, I know people uh, talk about Portland Headlight in Maine, which uh, came a little bit earlier, but it was started uh, something like 1789 by the state of Massachusetts. Maine was part of Massachusetts. The federal government finished it right after they, they set up the lighthouse service under the Treasury Department. So it was completed under the new federal government, uh, but Cape Henry was the first one entirely built by the, the new uh, federal government, the, 
the new lighthouse service. Yeah, so. yeah. So it was all federal funds from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and that's the fourth oldest standing uh, lighthouse in the country. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. The others are uh, the Boston Light, the Portland Head Light, and uh, Sandy, Sandy Hook in New Jersey. Sandy Hook. Yeah. 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 So that's quite a quite a distinction. And uh, something I was reading says that the lighthouse was near the site of the first landing. What is what does that mean? Yeah, we are actually right across the street. There is a small national park that honors it. Um, the Jamestown settlers, so the Virginia Company settlers, they came over and they landed on the beaches here in Virginia Beach first, right, actually right near where we are. And they landed in April 26 of 1607. And so they named this part of land Cape Henry after King James's first son. Um, and then the Cape across the bay is Cape Charles for his second son. Um, they were only here for about two weeks before heading up and founding Jamestown. Um, they were told specifically, don't settle on the coast because there are other settlements a little farther south and you could be susceptible to attack from other settlements. Mm -hmm. uh, so they moved upriver to a safer position. But mm -hmm. this was their first stop when they got to the New World. Wow, what are, what are so much history right around here. Yeah, over 400 years. <laughs> yeah, uh, if we could talk a little bit more about the early history of the lighthouse, I believe the builder was a man named John McComb. Yes. Uh, is there any significance uh, about uh, John McComb and Lighthouse history? Um, so he actually was a junior. So he had a father, John McComb Sr. They were both architects from the New York area. They were hand chosen by Alexander Hamilton to build the lighthouse. Uh, he also built the Montauk Lighthouse four years later. And, right? I have yep. it on my hat. Yeah. That's right. So both of those lighthouses are still standing. So he was pretty good at building lighthouses. Um, and he also built Alexander Hamilton's home. So I did not know that. Yeah. Wow, I knew about his lighthouse building. I certainly I didn't know that at all. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty good architect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just at the Montauk Lighthouse in May. Uh, it's a little similar to this one. Yeah, they have a very similar structure. I think Montauk is also built on a sand dune as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, on a hill of some kind sort. Of, it's a hill, yeah. Yeah, so we're built on a sand dune, Montauk's built on a hill. So mm -hmm. he must have found his formula for building lighthouses and Definitely. stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. A uh, little bit more about the history. I'm just wondering, uh, there's a long, long history here, obviously, but there used to be keepers and families living here, right? Yes. And first of all, what about a keeper's house? What, what was there uh, regarding keeper's uh, house? We had very simple wooden structures. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them originally would have been up on the sand dune with the lighthouse. Um, but they said it was absolutely miserable to live in. So they ended up tearing that one down and they built another one that was more on a, the ground level because um, we have a series of sand dunes, so up and down sand dunes all over. So they built it more on the ground level to kind of try to keep the sand out of the house. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, just simple wooden structures. And then the new lighthouse has its original keeper structures with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, we haven't talked about that at all. But of course, the, the new lighthouse is... How many feet apart from the the old lighthouse? Uh -huh. They're right across the street. So it's about 350 feet across. Mm -hmm. So um, there's lighthouse, there's the road that runs between, and then the other lighthouse. Yeah. And the new lighthouse, new in the sense of it's a lot newer than the, the old than the lighthouse. Old. <laughs> but it's 1881, right? The yes. The so-called new one. completion. Yeah. And why do you think, uh, it's, it seems unusual to me, there are lots of locations in the United States where they, you know, one lighthouse would be considered in poor condition or whatever, so they would build a new one to replace it. In this case, the old one was left standing. Why, why did that happen here? Do you know? Uh, the original reason it was left standing, there was a note 
uh, from one of the keepers that said a gale force wind will blow it down. They thought it was in such poor condition that they didn't even bother spending the money to tear it down. It would fall on its own um, and it just kept standing. And so by the 1930s, we realized its historical significance. And so it was deeded to Preservation Virginia. Mm -hmm. And was it shored up in some way to keep it standing? Or how was it after it was declared, you know, in danger of falling back then? How is it still standing today? Uh, we've been able to do a lot of looking into a lot of the preservation on it. And so they realized that those cracks that had formed in the walls when they put in the cast iron staircase, they were actually just superficial. They really didn't go as deep as they had thought they did. Mm -hmm. um, so they're all superficial. They have no no issue with the structure. Um, so it just is a strong lighthouse. I guess so. Yeah, it was built well. The It's built in an octagonal shape mm -hmm. um, and that helps to protect it from the wind and, and keep it strong. Mm -hmm. Back to the human history uh, with so many years of uh, families, the keepers and families living here, I guess of both lighthouses, but is there anything uh, stand, that stands out for you regarding the, the human history of the, the keepers and families? We have had many very important lighthouse keepers here. Um, one of them, Willis Augustus Hodges, he was actually only here for about two months, um, but he was a free person of color that actually grew up in this area. So they called it Blackwater, Virginia at the time, but it was mm -hmm. kind of Southern Virginia Beach. And he moved between here and New York pretty frequently because he was a big member of the abolitionist movement. Um, like I said, he was only the lighthouse keeper for about two months. He left here to go be the magistrate of the county of Kempsville. So he had a big political career after leaving the lighthouse. Another one, the, another two actually, they're actually pretty closely related because they worked together. Uh, there was Jay Edwards and he was actually the last lighthouse keeper at the old lighthouse and the first lighthouse keeper at the new lighthouse. Um, but before he was a lighthouse keeper back in the 1850s, 1857, he moved to New Orleans and had a, a pretty impressive photography career. He had a photo gallery on Royal Street, so right in the French Quarter. Mm -hmm. um, but in 1860, he was commissioned to do some photos of a custom house. And in the process, he took photos of Fort Pickens and Fort McRae, which were Union forts during the Civil War. And so he was deemed a, a traitor, a spy by the Union. Uh, so he ran to Richmond, Virginia, and he hid out there for the rest of the war. Wow. Um, and what he didn't know is his brother, who was a Union soldier, was actually being held prisoner in Richmond at the same time. And he didn't even know. Um, hmm. But he became the assistant keeper at the old lighthouse in 1877. And he had been promoted up to the principal keeper by 1880. Mm -hmm. And that was when he hired Littleton Owens, who served um, in the second... African Cavalry Regiment for the Civil War. And then he was the lighthouse keeper. He was the assistant under Jay Edwards. Mm -hmm. And then from there, he did not go to the new lighthouse with Jay Edwards. He retired after the old lighthouse, but he became a justice of the peace and served in the Virginia House of Delegates for two years after he left the lighthouse. So pretty impressive careers from the lighthouse keepers here. That is really fascinating. Any other uh, stories of uh, people living here, keepers or anything like that you'd like to mention before we move on? Um, we actually had, uh, right after Jay Edwards at the New Lighthouse, we had Milton O'Dell. And he 
was actually removed from office for neglect of the light. But before that happened, there were a lot of people that wanted his job. And he was on a sick leave from in Norfolk. And so he was on his way back from Norfolk on horseback. And he was attacked on his way back. And he was shot at by three people. And he returned fire. And he got back to the lighthouse unscathed other than a bullet hole through his coat. Holy cow. It's <laughs> yeah. a pretty narrow escape. So there's so many fascinating stories. Uh, we stopped in the gift shop. I met you in the gift shop before we started this. And it looks like there's other, at least a, uh, one or two books on the history of the Cape Henry Lighthouses. Yeah, yeah, we actually have some great books. One is by a man named uh, Chris Pizinski, mm -hmm. and it is a collection of documents from the Cape Henry Lighthouse. So letters to and from, uh, you know, from lighthouse keepers. From we even have letters from George Washington during the building of the lighthouse. So lots of interesting documents there. And mm -hmm. then we have a history of Fort Story and Cape Henry, since we are pretty closely connected. Right. So lots of information. Yeah. Are those available through Preservation Virginia on the website, or, or should people go to Amazon? What's the best way to buy those? Um, unfortunately, they are not available online yet. We are working mm -hmm. on it. Um, but, of course, they're always available in our shop, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you can find them on Amazon, too. Okay. All right. got to Make a, another stop in the gift shop before we leave today. Uh, so uh, you just mentioned Fort Story, of course. The, light, the two lighthouses are within the, the confines of Fort Story. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what Fort Story is and what the relationship is with the, with the, the lighthouses here? Yeah. Um, so originally Fort Story, it was created in 1914 as a coastal artillery base because mm -hmm. um, we are right here at the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay. So it is a very vital point in a lot of shipping and, of course, naval warfare and things like that. So it was created as a coastal defense base. It was not originally in the area that the lighthouse was in. The border was much farther back when it was originally created. But in the 1940s, I believe, they bought the parcel of land that included the lighthouse. Right now, mostly Fort Story is a lot of training. So it's not active. We don't have any ships or helicopters or planes here. But since we do sit on Fort Story, of course, it is an active base. Um, so visitation is still possible. We do tours every day. We're open almost every day other than major holidays, but we do have a shuttle system that will bring people from the front gate to the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you, you've been on it. Yep. So it's a quick ride, takes maybe about five minutes from the gate to the lighthouse, and then you're able to walk around the historic district, we call it, yeah. while during your visit. It seems like a pretty smooth system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it used to be a little more complicated. Yes, it definitely was much, much more complicated. We uh, actually, we started the shuttle system about five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and there are City of Virginia Beach shuttles that we loan out from the city. And they do the back and forth. So mm -hmm. before before then, it was a little more, a little more steps, more steps to yeah. getting here. It seems pretty Pretty simple now. So another thing I was reading about the, the place here, and I'm, I'm a, I, I will climb the lighthouse when we're finished here, so I'm looking forward to that. But I read that there, they said somebody said there are 194 steps to the top, but that there aren't that many steps in the lighthouse. How tall is the old Cape, Cape Henry Lighthouse? So the lighthouse itself is about 92 feet tall, mm -hmm. uh, relatively short in lighthouse terms. But we sit on top of a 50 foot sand dune, so right. it was the tallest sand dune in the area at the time. Um, so the first set of steps take you from ground level to the top of the sand dune or the mm -hmm. base of the lighthouse. Yeah. There's about 79 steps there. 
Um, and then there is a short little uh 15 steps to get into the bottom of the lighthouse and then from the bottom of the lighthouse to the very top it's 102 steps okay we did a restoration and it added three steps okay so that that's where it gets complicated. there was yeah. 191 now well, there's 194 nearly 200 yeah. <laughs> so uh the i saw something about the new lighthouse being open very occasionally for tours is that like once a year or how does that work we have been doing it once a year. Uh, we did it the past two years. Uh, we celebrate National Lighthouse Day here. So we have some other events. We have some vendors. But the Coast Guard also comes out to open the new lighthouse on that day. So August 7th. Um, they've been super great about it the past two years. And we've had record numbers of people come out to climb the new lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a special occasion because it is still an active lighthouse. Um, yeah. So they don't normally allow tours. But that day we'll have enough we have Coast Guard personnel out, mm-hmm. um, and they allow people to go out. And you probably get a pretty good number of people, I would imagine, for that. Yeah. This this past year, we had about 890 people climb oh. the lighthouse, wow. climb the new lighthouse. In one day. In one day. That is a busy day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was but a constant flow of people. It was how amazing. How many hours is that? Uh, we were open from 10 to 5, so about seven hours. That's, that's incredible. And, yeah, about 890 people. Must have been a line people. all day. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it was great. It was awesome to see everybody out. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll just throw in, I, I think I mentioned an email to you, the event we had, the U.S. Lighthouse Society, for this past uh, August 7th for National Lighthouse Day. We had a dance yes. contest, yeah. the song Meet Me to the Lighthouse, and yeah. I hope you guys <laughs> might, might take part in that next year. We're going to do something oh, similar. So I would encourage you to... <laughs> guess all get, of our people. <laughs> yeah, whoever, you know, it could be one person, it can be 50 people, and, you know, it, anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh, it looks like you have some special, special events here on occasion. I uh, imagine you get, uh, do, do school groups come here to tour the lighthouse too? Yeah, we do school groups. We actually have a couple field trips coming up next week. Um, we are able to cover anything from kindergarten material all the way up to high school material for our field trip groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they just reach out to us and we pick a day for them to come on out. Um, so it's great. We can have up to about 75 kids here at a time which is awesome Um, Mm -hmm. we do break them up into different groups because the lighthouse doesn't hold that many people but we do special talks as well especially for you know special events we have like our black history month tours and talks where we talk about our african-american lighthouse keepers we talk about the battle of the capes which was a naval battle in the revolutionary war that happened right out here and so we do that talk in september on the anniversary of the battle so specialized talks and then of course we have bigger events too like our lighthouse day event which is always a big one um we do a car show here in the spring um and then we have other smaller events like lighthouse trivia and we do what we call cards and cookies for troops so during the holidays uh troops that are deployed for the holiday we collect up cards and and snacks and things and big send a big care package Mm -hmm. cool you intrigued me with the trivia uh, contest how does how does that work yeah uh we partner with a local brewery um so for the past couple years it's been reaver beach brewery which is local to the area and so people are able to come out and we have three rounds of lighthouse themed trivia and there's prizes for each one and so it's it's pretty fun and we get people from kind of all over the city a lot of people that had visited the lighthouse that day and then they come out to the trivia that night so Mm -hmm. it's really cool love love to come for that sometime we'll see uh so i understand some work was done on the foundation of the old lighthouse in 2018 some pretty substantial work is that correct 
I yes. you mentioned. It was a big, big restoration project um, on the dune plaza. So we are built on a sand dune, and as most people know, sand shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had actually lost a decent amount of sand, so you could see a lot of the base of the lighthouse, um, which was not good for the structural integrity. So we actually were able to come in, build up the sand dune, and we built a brick plaza, and we holding that brick plaza down in place, a lot of rebar, concrete, um, and we brought in some sandstone. And so uh, we brought in like seating areas. So it's great for the public because we have more interpretive signage. We have places to sit. It's a nice level pathway now, but really it was a lot for the structure of the lighthouse and, Mm -hmm. and building up that base and being able to hold it into place and hold that sand into place so that we didn't lose any more of it. Uh, you made a mention it before. I'm sorry to ask you if you already mentioned it, but what, what kind of stone is the lighthouse built out of? So it is built out of two different types of sandstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the base of the lighthouse is Aquia sandstone. Uh, so it comes from a quarry near Fredericksburg, Virginia. And if it sounds familiar, it's because a lot of Washington, D.C. is built out of the same sandstone. But the top of the lighthouse, so what is most visible is a Seneca red sandstone. Um, so that's what gives the lighthouse its reddish color. Mm-hmm. We believe that came from a quarry probably somewhere in the Connecticut to New York area um, because John McComb Jr. was from New York. So mm-hmm. he probably pulled that down with him okay uh the lantern of the lighthouse is unusual uh compared to what we consider the t- you know the top of the lighthouse the the lantern a lantern room uh can you describe what's uh, kind of unusual about it uh it is empty well there's that <laughs> but also the style the lantern room itself is actually a reproduction okay uh in 1953 a hurricane came through and Mm -hmm. took off the lantern room completely Mm -hmm. um so we put on a replica of what it would have looked like originally Mm -hmm. and we it does have that kind of birdcage look to it that was the original it looks totally authentic you wouldn't know it's a replica (laughs) yeah yeah. What is it made out of? Do you know? Copper. Copper. Okay. Copper. That's why it has the greenish look to it. Yeah. It's yeah. been weathered. Aged copper, of course, turns green. So are there any other preservation projects planned at this point? There are. Um, we completed a smaller project in 2020, and that was on our cast iron staircase. So the staircase that's inside is from 1867. And just at some point in history, it had been painted black. We were able to do a paint analysis on it and find out that it had originally been a like a barn red color. Um, so we were able to repaint it that same color, which also helped because it was lead-based paint at one point and now it is not, so that's good. Um, but we have another restoration project coming up in about a, a year, year and a half um, on the exterior of the lighthouse. So there are cracks in the lighthouse that were from back in the 1860s, 1870s. Um, and so we're gonna be stitching those cracks. So filling them with a lime-based mortar. So we're making the mortar the same way that they would have made it back in the 1700s. And we're gonna fill those cracks in and put masonry ties. So stitching the cracks there. Um, we're gonna add, be adding some ventilation to the lantern room and doing, uh, we're replacing certain sandstone blocks that have been weathered a little too much for our liking. Um, but it is a great opportunity because we actually have the existing sandstone here already. It had been brought here during the construction of the lighthouse and not used. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we are able to use all original materials for our restoration, which is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Absolutely, very unusual. I don't know if I've another case quite like that. That's fantastic that you have that on hand. 
before we kind of wind things down here, uh, one thing I, I want, we talked about your background a little bit at the beginning, but could you, and you've talked about all the various activities here. Obviously, you have to do, uh, have a lot to do with running the tours and events here. Anything, any other areas we haven't really mentioned uh, that your job entails here as the site manager? Probably a lot. <laughs> I do a lot uh, during the day, yeah. So I do um, a lot of outreach and program planning. So we are working on getting into virtual programs so okay. that people that can't make it out to the lighthouse, they can still learn about the history of it. Um, so I've been pioneering that project. Um, we have been working on new field trip programs so that schools can come back year after year and have new information and so that's something that we really didn't have before um, creating new events because i just i love having people come out and see the lighthouse i love the lighthouse i want other people to see the lighthouse so creating events that would bring people in people that wouldn't normally come out to the lighthouse but they might be interested in that event so now they come and they get to see the lighthouse too so i work a lot in the event planning section and we have been working a lot with creating community partners. Mm -hmm. um, so I've lived in, in Norfolk for about nine years now. So I have been to a lot of places. I know a lot of people. So I've been using those connections to create more connections to the lighthouse as well. So that's great. Busy, busy all the time. Yeah, a lot of good projects going on. So I have one final question for you for bonus points. Okay. okay. All right. That question is. What is your favorite thing or things about the work you do at the old Cape Henry Lighthouse? Um, I know that they're going to want me to say preservation of the lighthouse, which is always great. I love being a steward of the lighthouse and helping raise money for more restoration projects. But I would have to say the views. There is nothing more beautiful than the lighthouse. Of course, we're right here on, we're actually where the ocean meets the Chesapeake Bay. So I get to wake up every morning and come to my office and see the waves crashing and the ospreys flying and the lighthouse standing, you know, against the skyline. And it's just a, a beautiful sight. I and bet. I get to see that every day. <laughs> Not a bad place to work. <laughs> Before we wrap it up, my wife Charlotte is here and she wants to know what happens here on Halloween. Anything special? Um, so there are many ghost stories, uh, related to the lighthouse. I have not experienced any myself, but a lot of them have to do with us being surrounded by the military base. Um, so there is a story that there was an Italian POW who was going to get sent back home after the war and he didn't want to go. So they, he took off running because he wanted to stay here in America. Um, and they chased him up to the lighthouse and they said he climbed the lighthouse and he was hanging off of the catwalk so that he would be hidden and no one would find him. But he did unfortunately event, eventually fall. And so the story goes that on Halloween, you can see a black, like a black shadow of a figure fall from the lighthouse. And if you see it, you know, People have reported it to the police, and the police have come out and investigated, and there's never anybody there. Mm. But that is that is one of our ghost stories from Halloween. But this year, we are actually doing ghost tours. Okay. Um, so we will be taking people around the historic district of the base and telling, him, telling them the different ghost stories that are related to each spot. So that's something new that we're doing this year. And does that take place at night or no? We are doing them during the day. Um, we are on a military base, so we do have regulations for the hours that we can do events. Sure. So we are trying them out during the day this year, and if they go really well, we might see if we can 
slide them into the night next year. Yeah, well, that'd be fun. It's always great to be at a, a lighthouse <laughs> at night, although this one doesn't have a light in it. <laughs> right, we don't have a light. So. But across the street, there is a light. Thanks for asking that question, Charlotte. I'm glad you had a chance to, to talk about that. So Rachel Balderson, the site manager here at Old Cape Henry Lighthouse, it's such a pleasure to be here today and to talk with you. Thank you so much for, for doing this yeah, today, Rachel. Thanks for hosting me here. I appreciate yeah, it. Of course. Thanks for coming out. For more information on tours at Old Cape Henry Lighthouse, visit preservationvirginia.org. The lighthouse is open all year, seven days a week. You know, I lived with my family in Hampton, Virginia for a while and I was very small, but this was my first time visiting Old Cape Henry Lighthouse. Uh, Rachel was a great host. We had a beautiful day and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Next, we're going to do something a little different. In the latest issue of the Keeper's Log, the U.S. Lighthouse Society's quarterly journal, I have an article called Lighthouse Keeper Wars. I thought it might be fun to read a shortened version of the article on this podcast. First, I'll do a quick introduction. Through the centuries of American lighthouse history, the vast majority of keepers did an exemplary job. At the light stations that had multiple keepers, most got along just fine with each other. There were, however, some notable exceptions. Here are a few examples. Whale Rock Lighthouse, a typical cast iron caisson spark plug type structure, stood at the mouth of Narragansett Bay in Rhode Island from 1882 to 1938, when it was toppled by a hurricane. The exposed, isolated lighthouse was always considered an unpleasant assignment. Judson Allen, after a few months as an assistant, became the principal keeper at Whale Rock in September 1895. Henry Nigren arrived as assistant keeper during the following March. There was a violent clash between the two men in August 1897. It seems likely that it was the latest battle in a war between Allen and Nigren that had been going on for a while. Things boiled to a peak on the evening of August 13th. It isn't clear how the fight started, but Nigrin later claimed that Allen assaulted him first with a knife, causing two gashes in his forehead. Nigrin grabbed Allen by the throat, and Allen fought him off with an oar. Nigrin threw a bucket at Allen's head. The Boston Globe claimed that Nigrin had filled up on liquor. Allen went up to the lantern to tend the light and turned around to see Nigrin rushing at him with a knife. Nigrin slashed Allen's coat and the two men ended up wrestling on the floor for possession of the weapon. Nigrin was the bigger man, but Allen managed to kick the knife down the stairs. As Nigrin rushed down the stairs to regain the knife, Allen grabbed a rope and used it to make an escape over the side of the lighthouse. Nigrin threatened to cut the rope, but Allen quickly reached the rocks below. As Allen pushed off into the moonlit sea in a rowboat, Nigrin appeared with a shotgun and fired two shots at the principal keeper. His hands bleeding from his descent on the rope, Allen rowed for his life as the assistant hotly pursued him in a second boat. Allen reached shore, commandeered a horse, and galloped to the first farmhouse he saw. Nigrin abandoned pursuit and retreated to the lighthouse. Two men from a local life-saving station went out to the lighthouse on the following evening. They waited in the shadows while Nigrin smashed crockery, threw utensils, and danced wildly at the top of the lighthouse. Nigrin was finally apprehended and brought ashore in irons the next day. Officials of the lighthouse board soon dismissed him from the government service, needless to say. 
Stratford Shoal Lighthouse straddles the border between Connecticut and New York in the middle of Long Island Sound. The castle-like stone building is a near twin of Race Rock Lighthouse more than 50 miles east. The light began service in 1877. Gilbert L. Rulon became head keeper in September 1901. In August 1905, Rulon was ashore on vacation and first assistant keeper Morrill Hultz was left in charge. Hultz was a 54-year-old Long Island native and former sailor. Also at the lighthouse was second assistant keeper Julius Coster of New York City, a newcomer to the lighthouse service. According to newspaper reports, Hulse was taken by complete surprise when Coster charged at him with a razor lashed to the end of a pole. Hulse fought off Coster, who seemed to calm down for the moment. But similar scenes took place over the next couple of days, forcing Hulse to stay awake night and day. He not only had to defend himself against the deranged Coster, but also had to make sure the light continued to function properly. One afternoon, Hulse found Coster chopping at the lighthouse walls with a hammer and chisel. Later that night, Hulse became aware that the light had stopped rotating. Rushing to the lantern room, he found Coster holding an axe and about to destroy the lens. It isn't clear whether Hulse used brute force, gentle persuasion, or both, but he somehow dissuaded Coster from his violent intent. Hulse didn't get a moment's sleep or rest for the next five days as he protected himself and the light. Coster eventually turned his rage on himself and threatened suicide. When help finally arrived, Coster was found with self-inflicted gashes on his neck and was taken to a hospital. One writer claimed that Julius Coster returned to his New York City home and succeeded at committing suicide. It said that keepers at Stratford Shoal experienced disturbances at the lighthouse that they blamed on a ghost they called Julius. In the article in the current Keeper's Log, there are a few more stories, but this gives you a a pretty good idea of it, I think. Uh, It's important to remember that these battles were usually small blips on long and distinguished careers, and most keepers through the centuries did their jobs with a minimum of friction with their co-workers. So, Michelle, do you have a quote that has to do with this topic? I sure do, Jeremy. Mahatma Gandhi, the revered social activist in India, once said, and I quote, Whenever you are confronted with an opponent, conquer him with love, end quote. Well, that might be a little difficult in some circumstances, but I think it's uh, something to aim for. I want to remind our listeners to go to uslhs.org to learn all about the tours, preservation grants, the passport program, and all the other things the U.S. Lighthouse Society offers. Remember that donations and memberships help to support this podcast and all the education and preservation activities of the society. Next week's episode will feature an interview with Carolyn Wellman, a park ranger at Body Island Lighthouse in North Carolina. For now, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. i